0: You're listening to the weekly Joel Klatt segment podcast. Listen to it live every Wednesday between 8 and 8.30 a.m. during the football season. Presented exclusively by Audi Flatirons in Broomfield. Exceeding your experience from the first mile to the last. Can you make this quick? i got a meeting. Joel Klatt, very, very important man. He's been everywhere. Yeah, yeah. These last couple of days in the wake of what's happened in college football, monumental moves around college football. He joins us now. He's presented by Audi Flatirons. Good morning, Joel. Good morning. What's up, boys? Oh, uh, hey, man. I got to say right off the bat, Michigan, Ohio State. Uh, I got to watch the, I, we, we had it on in the room while we were prepping for our game. And, um, what a tremendous, what a tremendous game to be a part of, Joel. How cool was that event and how cool was, it to see that uh, Michigan just absolutely dispensed that justice. Well, they certainly did up front. There's no doubt. Um, yeah, man. I mean, it was,
1: you know, it's one of those things, even during the week leading up to the game, I, it was kind of a pinch me type of a deal. I remember, you know, guys, I didn't, uh, you know, I never thought I would be in this business. I, I was, you know, I thought I'd be a coach or something like that. And uh, I was, you know, I was in a real estate job in 2006 there in Denver, and a guy named Ken Miller, uh, who worked at uh, Fox Sports Rocky Mountain at the time, I owe everything to. He called me up, and (laughs) this is not going to surprise you. Alfred Williams decided he didn't want to do a high school football game. He got sick or something like that. And they were like, hey, we need an analyst. And so they called me, and they were like, well, you fill in on, like, Littleton versus Hinckley. And I did the game. And I don't know why I'm telling you this story, but it's it's just last week was the biggest game I've ever done. And all week I was just thinking about how lucky I am to be there. And so that's kind of how I approached it, and, and that's how I felt in the booth. and I And I certainly, you know, even afterwards, I was taking some videos as they were storming the field and just the entire scene. I'll always remember that. That was one of the great scenes that I've ever been at in terms of a sporting event. And um man, it was fun. And then yeah, just Michigan just handed it to him, which I, I wasn't expecting to be quite honest with you.
0: Did you find yourself feeling kinda happy for Jim Harbaugh, good coach who's done a lot in this game and, and yet was carrying around that, that burden of having never beaten Ohio State and finally getting over the hump? Well, I, I've always been
1: labeled, I guess, like a Harbaugh defender and because I think he's a really good coach. I mean, look what he's done everywhere that he's gone. I know that Michigan is in a far better spot with him than they were prior to his arrival. So yeah, I, I was happy for him and he's, I mean, he's taken a lot of flack in the college game for, you know, just kind of being him. And I know that he came in and ruffled feathers and everything and, and he's odd. And there's no doubt about that, but you know, I, I did feel good for him and, and, He's got a great staff. They've, they're young. He revamped that staff this last year. Mike McDonald comes in from the Baltimore Ravens to be the defensive coordinator. He's just a young guy. And and all of those guys, all the players that we've talked to, they all talked about all year how happy they were for coach, uh, you know, just about the season that they were having. And here's the thing that I, I appreciate about Jim the most, and maybe this will, you know, change somebody's opinion out there that that doesn't like him there are coaches that badmouth their players to us in the meetings mark i'm sure it happens at the nfl level as well sure and you know and and they do it out of out of some i don't know to lift themselves up you know self-preservation right to it yeah self-preservation type of a deal and jim's never done that and in fact when I think about it, he talks about his players in a more positive light than any coach that I, that I work with or meet with. And that doesn't mean that that all of them speak poorly, but you know, he he genuinely loves his players. And every time I would ask him a question, you know, in in meetings leading up the games, and this is all year, not just last week, about, you know, like, oh man, you know, you know, what did you want to do about this and how how about this that you're changing and what did you do this every time he's like, Hey man, these players are amazing. These players have, have bought in these players own the team, Aiden Hutchinson. We wouldn't be here without him. I love that guy. He loves the game and he genuinely loves his players. And I just stopped him, you know, last week. And I was like, you know, Jim, I gotta say I'm, I'm the son of a former coach. Um, and I just appreciate the way that you talk about your players. And so, yes, Mike, to, to say, like, was I happy for Jim? Yes, I was.
0: Hey, what about the college? This is a shakeup in college right now. Lincoln Riley heading to USC now. Oklahoma's open. Obviously, Brian Kelly heading to LSU, uh, leaving Notre Dame. I mean, are you surprised at all? What does this mean for college football in general? Well, this is this is certainly we we, we knew that this
1: coaching carousel year in college was going to be big and it was going to be monumental because of the the brands that were open you know you had basically two of the three best west coast jobs open in washington and usc you had two of the top five jobs in college football in in usc and lsu um and and i i just knew that something was going to happened that was big and it looked like uh, i thought it was going to be like okay james franklin's going to leave penn state i actually thought for a moment that matt rule might leave the nfl and come back to college i thought it was going to be kind of in that size i never imagined that a guy like lincoln riley would leave or brian kelly would leave in fact when the when the usc job first came open i did a video about you know like hey who who would you hire you know who are the names? And I kind of threw out there, I was like, well, you've got to call these four guys and make them tell you no. And I said, you know, Lincoln Riley, Ryan Day, Davo Sweeney, and Brian Kelly. Because you don't call Nick Saban because he's too much of a legend, and it's just like, it just is what it is. But those other four guys have put themselves on top of college football in terms of, um, you know, um, playoff appearances and just overall success. But I never imagined that one of them would leave. I, I put them in a category of like, just make them tell you no and then move on just so that you can check it off your, your box because you're USC and swing big. Never thought Lincoln Riley would move, but I never thought that we'd be paying coaches over the course of their contract a hundred million dollars either. And, and that, that is a staggering uh, amount. And to tell you where the sport is, the sport is in a broken spot. The NFL is, is so much. Uh, more buttoned up than college football because they have guardrails and schedules in place that prevent this type of chaos where you've got a team like Notre Dame that's still in the running to potentially go to the playoff and then loses their coach, which is just wild. You know, the, the, the league year in the NFL is so much better in terms of the schedule and the tampering rules, and I wish that we had those guardrails in college, but we don't. And we have a thing like early signing day, which is coming up here in in, in a week or so. And because of that, you know, these coaches get fired earlier and they need to get hired er earlier. So what you have is a very emotional situation where you've got guys that are making the decision that any one of us would make for nine figures, $100 million. Yeah, I'm going to leave Oklahoma if I'm Lincoln Riley for $100 million. I'm sorry. Like, Oklahoma is amazing, but I'm going to make that decision. And then everyone has to, you know, drag them through the ringer and be like, why would he do that to Oklahoma? Cause it's a hundred million dollars. His problem is that he had to do it within a structure where they weren't guardrails like the NFL has in terms of tampering and coaching hires.
0: Visit with Joel Clatt presented by Audi Flatirons. What does Brian Kelly leaving say about how he views Notre Dame's ability to compete and, and win? on a yearly basis in today's current college football climate.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating because this year I finally got to know him a lot better because we had never done a home game of his, obviously, with the NBC contract. They do all the home games. And generally, when you I've done Notre Dame a few times and several times with Brian as their coach, but I would always do a, either a conference call or a Zoom call uh, you know, to, to do those meetings. And you just don't get as good of a feel – you know, on on a call as you do in the building, meeting with players and and you know talking with people there and, and in person talking with the coaches and and so this year when when they played Wisconsin um, in Chicago, I thought this was going to be my best chance to get to Notre Dame uh, on a game week and actually meet with him in person. So I flew in a day early and we drove down to South Bend and and met with him in person. And it was so fascinating because that was a game in which if he won, he would become Notre Dame's all-time winningest coach. And when, when we asked him about that, they're in hindsight now, and granted I didn't put two and two together at the time, but in hindsight you could tell that he was almost like, man, I'm that poor SOB who is going to have that label without a national championship. And he just lamented the fact that, listen, around here, they don't give you statues for wins. They give you statues for national championships. Now, at the time, I don't think that there was any question in his mind that he was going to be there for a long time. But I think that he knew and understood the the barriers and the ceiling that was potentially there at Notre Dame, to your point, Mike. And I think that maybe this is just him as a 60-year-old that also saw one of those $100 million contracts, which is hard to say no to, and he thought to himself, you know, I've been so successful at every level, and he has at the top end. Nobody, you know, in the last, you know, in the Saban era, other than Saban, has won more games than Brian Kelly, and and I think he, he says, you know, I want to go take one swing at, at actually winning a national championship. So to your point, I think that that was a major factor in him moving to LSU.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, uh, it is, it is interesting. I want to move on to the, the Broncos right now as they face the Kansas City Chiefs. And what's the, what's the number? Is it 11 straight losses? 11 straight by 11, the average score of 29 to 16. 11 straight so, losses to the Kansas yeah. City Chiefs. I don't know if you've ever been a part of, of such dominance, Joel, but you know, for the, for the Broncos, just mentality wise, you know, what, what do you think is going on right now at Dove Valley as they prepare to take on the Chiefs on Sunday night? Well, you don't get to play a team 11 times, but I
1: only started against Colorado State three times and won all three of those. So, yeah, we pissed excellence against them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was, I don't even know, that, I think I just That's... levitated out of my body. That You, was went, to, you
0: went to Richard 10 right there. there. That, was, that was
1: like Richard 15. But listen, the facts are the facts. That was a 3-0, sure, you know, sure. whatever. Um, man, I can't tell you how frustrating as a Bronco fan it is to see that because it was reversed you know when we grew up if you're my age and you're a Bronco fan you know that it was the Kansas City fans that couldn't get over it. it was the Marty Schottenheimer team and you know all of those quarterbacks that they would try to recycle or bring in and try to get over the hump of like oh man we got to beat the Broncos because the Broncos owned the division for so many years and and now you know it's divisions go the way of the best quarterback within the division. And, and obviously Kansas city has that guy. Denver's got to find a way to match up with, you're not going to do anything as far as a super bowl until you can beat the Kansas city chiefs in your own division. That's, that's just the way that it is. Obviously last week was a terrific win for them. I thought that the game plan was, was fantastic. It's, this is a roster that's ready to win. Um, I mean, thankfully, Teddy got back on the field because, man, it felt like Drew Locke was going to go out there and give that great performance of the defense away. You know, that bad interception that he threw led to points for the Chargers. And so from from my seat, I think it all comes down to what they can do in terms of fixing that quarterback position, addressing the quarterback position, so they can potentially match up with and beat the Chiefs. But, man, it's frustrating. Knowing what it used to be and seeing what it is now – I, you know, it's just you you understand what the Chiefs felt for all those years, knowing that they didn't have the quarterback to compete in the division, and that's certainly where we're sitting right now.
0: You probably remember. You, may, you might even be able to picture it, sitting where Mark's sitting right now, that right after Peyton chose the Broncos, the Kansas City newspaper uh, put out a, a back-page headline picture, and they, they superimposed Peyton on you know I, I don't know whose it was body but all it said all the headline screen was oh no yes remember that i remember that vividly yeah i remember we were in
1: phoenix when peyton actually announced he was coming uh sitting in that that studio <laughs> yeah. yes and and i remember that uh, there's no doubt i remember that headline and i remember talking all day that day about like yeah that's it aren't the Broncos are a Super Bowl contender. That means that they own the division, and the division knows it.
0: Uh, Back to college football real quick. The college football playoff rankings and everything that's in play this weekend. Uh, How much is that committee, through just gritted teeth, putting Cincinnati in at number four, and how much are they desperately rooting for Houston to beat Cincinnati this week? (laughs) Well... I don't think it matters so
1: much to the committee. I think that Cincinnati, they will be included begrudgingly because I feel like there is an, el- an elitist mentality in college football and I'm right there with them. You know, like Cincinnati's schedule is not anywhere close to what a Power Five schedule is. So if they would have played a schedule like, shoot, any one of these 10 and 2 teams, Ole Miss, Oklahoma, you know, they'd be 10 and 2. And so the fact that they're potentially going to be included if they win this game, I think it's actually a little unfair in college where people always say like, well, it's unfair if they're not included. Well, it's like, really, really when you play Tulsa. So, um, and it's not just like playing Tulsa once. It's like they basically have to get up and play a big game Three times this year, Houston. This week, they played Indiana on the road, and they beat Notre Dame on the road. And so, you get them, give them credit for that. There's no doubt. Should you but have there's to? Pl- definitely an element of begrudging in, in terms, in terms of including them.
0: Should you have to play in a conference championship game in order to play in the college football playoff?
1: I think you should have to win your conference, not even just play in that conference championship game. As long as we're in a four team playoff, we should include only conference champions. I've always felt that way. I felt like that with the BCS. We, we should have never allowed Nebraska in 2001 to compete for a national championship after not even winning their division when they got beat by Colorado. It's happened with Alabama a couple of times. I, I don't understand this notion of trying to maximize the impact of the regular season and make conference championships important and then just include people that didn't win them. It doesn't make any sense to me.
0: Finally, this weekend... Colorado, 3A football championships. Oh, yeah. Now we're getting to the – that's the business right, All right there. Meade, coached by Jason Klatt, the fifth seed, will be taking on Joel Dreesen's alma mater, Fort Morgan. We got like CU against CSU again. What's going to well, happen? I mean, we already know how that wound up for Joel Dreesen. <laughs>
1: um <laughs> We already went over that in this interview. <laughs> uh, a rough time for Joel Dreesen back then. Might be a rough time for him this weekend as well. I'm so proud of my brother. I am so proud of my brother. He's six years older than me. I idolized him growing up. He was a terrific athlete. Wanted nothing more than to just be exactly like my my big brother. And he's done an unbelievable job. You know, that, that school... When he got there, it was only a couple of years old. They rebuilt Mead High School. I know it sounds like it's been there forever, but it hasn't. And, you know, they had only won like one or two games in the three previous years before he got there. And he's built them into a team that's constantly in the, the back end of the postseason. And they haven't gotten to this point yet. I am, uh, you know, like to tell you I am excited for that game. I'm calling the Big Ten Championship game Saturday night. That's the only thing keeping me from flying back and coming to this game. I wish I could be there. I'm 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 a Mead Maverick through and through this week. Uh, I hope that they get the W. And like I said, I I am immensely proud of my brother. He's done a, a remarkable job, and he he builds young men, not just a football team. And I think that's what I'm most proud of him.
0: That uh, that is awesome. That is awesome. True story. A couple years ago, Mead's playing uh, Green Mountain in a. Uh... High school playoff game. Uh-huh. And Joel has just gotten done calling, like, I don't know, Ohio State, Wisconsin or something. Right. You know, in front of 80,000 people. Right. No, it was a semifinal, which means it was Ohio State, Michigan. Yeah. Okay. And he is, he's, the game is just ended and he's pestering me for updates from the Mead Green Mountain game, and I'm doing like play by play for him for like the, uh, the that next hour as you're making your way to the, uh, yeah. to the airport. It was cool. It was cool. I'm like, that. that's, that is us. Awesome. That speaks to your relationship with your brother. All right. Congratulations to all the teams playing in the uh, state championship games. We wish them all well, uh, except I guess for Joel Driesen's, uh Fort Morgan team. Joel, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Fort Morgan, you can pound Sam. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. There he goes. Joel Clatt presented by Audi flat irons. As always, a lot to unpack with Joel. We'll do that. Plus, more painful reminders of why the Broncos find themselves in the position they find themselves in. That's next. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Hello, this is Ryan Watson, Vice President and General Manager of Audi Flatirons and Audi Boulder Service. When was the last time a dealership delivered the experience you were looking for? Have you ever felt that buying a car was solely about making the sale? It should be about the relationship, beginning with your commitment to do business with us and continuing through the years to follow. Our team is dedicated to exceeding your expectations from the first mile to the last. Come see us in person or visit us online at AudiFlatirons.com or AudiBoulderService.com.